0: Turn to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, and we're going to start in verse 13. Ye are the salt of the earth, but if the salt have lost his savor... Wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under foot of men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Now there's two things that Jesus told us that we are to be. We are to be salt and we are to be light. Now I want to look at those two things tonight and you know, I'm not going to reveal anything to y'all that's just an epiphany. It's not, not any kind of hidden mystery. You've probably heard it before, but it's not going to hurt for you to hear it again. So what, what is he talking about when he compares us to salt? He said, you are the salt of the world. Well, salt has a few functions, doesn't it? It's used to season food, make things taste better it's used to purify things you know there's they'd give a uh, soldier salt tablets to purify their water so they could drink it it's used to to preserve food as well it's used to you know to cure meat things like that so that it'll last longer if you look at just those three things and you compare those to to us, as a Christian, us uh, a child of God, a servant of God in this world, we are His body that's in this world right now. His hands and feet, the ones that should be going out into this world. Those are three of our functions: as as a preservative, a purifier, and something to give some flavor. Now, look at what Jesus said. He said that if a salt, if salt has lost its savor, it's not worth anything. That's the purpose in it, right? He's basically saying if if salt has lost the ability to be what it was made to be, then there's no point in having salt around. Well, I did some reading and there is a, in this particular part of the country, or the world where, where Jesus was at the time, there's lots of places they can naturally get salt. And you know what they said was that if salt was left out and exposed to the sun and rain, that it would just have no flavor whatsoever. It still looked like salt. It still had all the characteristics that salt has except for the flavor which, by the way, is also what preserves things, see? It's not just what salt looks like. It's what it's made up of. But what they could do is break off a piece of that and get to some salt that hadn't been exposed to the elements and and it was still salty, you see? So we're supposed to be salt. Salt. What are we preserving this world from? Well, I think we all know the answer to that. See, if it wasn't for the children of God still in this world, doing what God called them to do, the Great Commission, going into the world preaching the gospel, adding some flavor to this world, preserving it until the time comes, what would be left? Nothing. Nothing that's worth keeping. You see, nothing. Have y'all ever sat down and ate a meal that looked good, and then you tasted it and it just didn't have any flavor to it? You said, man, where is the salt shaker? I need some salt on this. It all looked good, but it didn't taste good. That's how this world is, by the way. You look at a lot of people and they look good on the outside. But you dig in a little bit and you find out there ain't no salt in them. There's no flavor there. There's nothing that's going to preserve anything because all they have is what's already been exposed in this world. You see, all that they have has already been been robbed from them, from the elements of this world. So they need some salt. And that's what our responsibility is. Now, ask yourself a question. Could you call yourself salt? That's a tough one. I don't know if I can call myself salt sometimes. I don't do anything to preserve anything. You know what I mean? There's times in my life I'm I'm just worthless. I might as well be thrown out. You know why they would throw the salt that lost its savior in the street? Because there wasn't nowhere else to throw it. If you threw it anywhere else, it would kill all the vegetation. It would kill, you can't just throw it out in the pasture because it'd kill everything there. There wasn't nowhere else to put it. So they'd throw it in the street and it would just get walked on because it didn't matter there, right? In fact, it'd probably be better if it, Killed the vegetation in the street. But that's what Jesus was telling you. If, you're, if you can't be what you're supposed to be, salty, then you're of no use. In fact, we're going to get you as far away from our house as we can. We're going to get you away from anything that you can harm and put you out in the street to be trodden on. Man, that's... That's kind of rough, ain't it? It didn't sound all that rough on the surface. But you start examining what Jesus was saying, and, man, that's kind of a scary thought. Let's look at 14. You are the light of the world. I'm going to tell you all right now, that is a, a serious, large responsibility. You are the light of the world. I don't hardly even have to go any further than that. What what does light do? It helps you see in darkness. It dispels the darkness. But I want you to understand something. As soon as you turn off the light, darkness is there. You say, well, what about during the daytime? Well, what if the sun wasn't there to give you light? There would be darkness, wouldn't there? See, light does not is not the natural state darkness is in this world. If there's not an external source providing light into an area, it's darkness. You go down into a cave and see what it is, darkness. There has to be a source of light. So Jesus said that we are to be the light to this world. He goes on to say a city up on a hill can't be hid. Because why? Well, Because it's up where everybody can see it. You can see it from miles away. You know, we were watching a movie this afternoon, and these two boys would swim just as far as they could out in the ocean. And the whole objective was, was for one of them to decide at some point... I can't go no further because I gotta still swim back. It's kind of a game of chicken. At some point one of them's gonna give up, right? Well, the last time they were doing this contest, they were swimming at night. And one of them stopped and hollered at the other and said, Hey, I can't see the shore. And I got to thinking about that. And honestly, I believe God spoke to me through that. Not not through this movie, but through the ideal. What if you were out in the ocean and, and you couldn't see a light on the shore? How would you know where to go? Man, that would be a scary... I'm not talking about in a boat with gadgetry and all kinds of instruments. I'm talking about you're floating in the water. All you see is darkness you say, well, I can look at the stars. No, you ain't going to do that. ain't nobody here that smart. Look at the stars and figure out which way you're going. No, you're not. I'm going to tell you right now, you're going to be out in the middle of that ocean and you're going to panic. Panic is going to set in because you're going to look all around you and you have nothing for a point of reference. Nothing. You know, there's people in this world today... Because Christians are not fulfilling what Jesus commanded in these two verses, people look around and they see no hope. They see nothing around them for a point of reference. Something that they can draw towards. Have you noticed that most things in this world, in nature, are drawn toward light? Have you ever noticed that, that trees will grow in a direction so that they can get toward light. Moths and, and all kinds of other insects at night, they're drawn to lights. You see, if we are doing what we're supposed to do in this world, if we're, if we're being who we're called to be, yeah, I'm going to make it personal, y'all. If you're doing what Jesus called you to do, and you're being a light, you know people are going to be drawn to you. Why? Because they need something. They need hope. They need, they're need. they out in the middle of this ocean of darkness, and, and if somebody just turned a light on 10 miles away, a little faint light, they'd see something. And they'd say, okay, there's a light. I know there's something there. I'm going to swim toward it. You see, there's some point of reference, something that can that they can just train in on and and focus on and move toward. Y'all, this this world is is darkness spiritually. And if we don't turn a light on for somebody, if we're not gonna do it, you see, Jesus, when he said, You are the light of the world, he wasn't talking about other people in the world, he was talking about us. He was talking about His disciples. Those that follow Him. You're the light of the world. It's our responsibility to live that in front of people. When they look for somebody to show them some hope, we better be doing it. Peter, y'all know what Peter said. I've told you several times. He said, be ready always to give a reason for the hope that lies within you. You know what that means? Have y'all ever really stopped and thought about what that means? That doesn't mean just have a defense so that you can argue your point when you get into an argument with somebody about the Bible. That's not what that means. That may be a, a small part of it. But what Peter was really saying is, is be ready at any time. Anytime you see the opportunity to turn the light on for somebody, show them a reason to have hope. Show them why you have hope. See, he was telling you, he was just reiterating what Jesus said. He said, be a light to the world. Be ready to be a light. You see, opportunities will present themselves if you're looking for them. But if we put our blinders on spiritually like I do all the time and I walk into work and I just try my best not to make eye contact with anybody because they might say, oh, Kevin, come here, i got a problem. And I just kind of walk down the hall. If I live my life like that all the time, I'm not being a lighter. That's what Jesus was talking about. Does anybody go light a candle and put it under a bushel? Or let's just put it in English, today, a basket. What would be the point in doing that? No point. Don't nobody just like to smell a candle burn. Not not one of these kind of candles anyway, Rhonda. <laughs> I'm talking about just the light giving kind, not the smell good kind. See nobody want you wouldn't go get a flashlight, turn a flashlight on and then cover it up with a paper bag, is what he's saying. There's no point in it. It's foolishness, actually. But what do people do? Think back to the last time electricity went off. What would you do? Well, some of y'all probably have them, them old oil lanterns. I think we still have one somewhere. Some of you probably got flashlights or them new high-tech things with the fluorescent bulbs in them and batteries and all that, you know. The thing is, you went and got a light. Well, did you set it on the floor down beside your chair? No. You went and put it up on a bookshelf or on the mantel, up on the countertop, somewhere that it could get some elevation. Why? Because light's going to spread out, and it's going to reflect off the ceiling and off the walls, and it's going to light the whole room. If you put it down low and try to hide it, you're going to get about this much light out of it. That's common sense. Everybody understands that. If you're walking outside in the dark and you've got a flashlight in your hand, do you walk around like this? No. You stick it out in front of you and you shine it around. Why don't we wear our Christianity like that? Why don't we put our Christianity out there to shine around on some people? Oh, I, I do every now and then. There, I'm, I'll be honest. Every now and then I'll hit a good little spot and i do that. Do what I should. But I'm going to tell you all, that is few and far between. Those times are so few, in fact, that I'm ashamed of myself because of the way I live my life. When I look at these scriptures and I see Jesus says that I am supposed to see, you need to personalize it. I am to be the salt of the earth. And I am to be the light to this world. And if he were to stand in front of me and say, Kevin, are you doing that? I wouldn't have no choice but to say, Jesus, not near enough. See, I would probably try to try to make myself sound a little, well, you know, every now and then, but I want to try to at least get something in there and not just say no. But that's the honest truth, ain't it? Not near enough. Not near enough. When he's standing in front of you, talking to you, it kind of makes everything a little more real. <clears throat> Psalms chapter 40. Best I remember, it says something about I was in a horrible pit. Y'all remember that one? He pulled me out of a pit. And what does it say? It says he set me on a rock and established my goings. Well, do y'all understand that Jesus is not in this world anymore? The physical manifestation of Jesus is not in this world anymore. But do you know that there's still people in pits? And do you know that when they're at the bottom of that pit looking up, that it would sure be nice to know they were looking up because they could see some light? You see, if you're if you're in a in a deep, dark pit and it's nighttime and you can't see stars because it's overcast and the moon's not out, it's just total blackness, you're not even sure you're looking up. You see, I, ha- I can look at Psalms 40 and I can rejoice because I, knew, I know that's where I was. And I know that's what He did for me was pull me out of this horrible pit and set me up on a solid rock and He established my goings. But you know, there's people in this world that don't know that yet. There's people in this world that don't yet know Jesus and, and that He has done all of these things for them if they will just accept it. And Jesus ain't here to tell them, y'all. But thank God He gave us the privilege, y'all. It's such a privilege. Every time I think about this, I just, I just want to just hit my knees and worship God because He gave us the privilege to minister to people on his behalf. Man, did you understand what I just said? You see, the King of kings and Lord of lords said, Kevin, I want you to go minister to these people for me. He said, John, I want you to go in my name and minister to these people you see that? Do you see the great responsibility He has placed on us? Man, that is a privilege and an honor to know that God, the God of the universe, took piddly on me and, put, and allowed me to have that kind of responsibility. Trusted me with that kind of responsibility. And what have I done time after time? I've just pretty much spit in His face because I, I just didn't have any, hold any kind of importance to what he's entrusted me with. It'd be like the President of the United States, one that you actually respect and, and, and cared about, coming to you and saying, Earl, these are some precious documents in this briefcase. If anybody were to get these documents, it could mean the end of the country as we know it. I want you to deliver these to the federal building in Lufkin, Texas. And don't stop and talk to nobody. Don't let anybody know what's in it, but I'm trusting you with it. What do y'all think Earl would do? His jaw would probably just hit the floor to start with and say, What? Don't you have somebody trained to handle that kind of stuff? And the president said, No, I want you to do. How would that make you feel inside? Wouldn't you just kind of... President of the United States just called me. i got to take these documents for him. Hey, wouldn't that kind of give you a source of pride? A, a source of, of joy? To know that somebody of such a high stature trusted you with such a position? yeah, we don't want to honor what God has called us to do. The, the God. Last time I looked, the, the only God called us to go into this little pitiful, pathetic world that's full of darkness and to take a little bit of our time that he's trusted us with and allowed us to have and to go reach some people so that they might not perish but have everlasting life. You see, he's provided every resource. It'd be like you know, the president giving Earl a brand new car to make this trip in. He's provided us with everything we need to do it. He's, he's given us the whatever training we might need. He's given us a source of power through the Holy Spirit. He's given us everything we need to accomplish this goal. And we say, well, Lord, you know, I'm just so busy. Now, would you tell the president that? I guarantee you most of you in here wouldn't tell the current president that. You'd probably say, okay, I'll do it. Because that's just the kind of people you are. You're good people. You're patriotic people. And if it's something that would serve our government, you would do it. But yet, we, we look at what God has challenged us to do and called us to do and ordained us to do, and we just blow it off. Well, I can take care of this later i know i know it's important but you know i've got other things going on see this ought to be our utmost number one priority look i know you got to work i know you got things you got to tend to but this ought to be priority number one you ought to get up in the morning and say god What can I do for you today? See, the nice thing about serving God is He allows you to still do all that stuff and still do take care of priority number one. See, priority number one doesn't have to hinder all the other ones you have. In fact, if you will take a little step back and you start to try to serve God and fulfill what He's called you to do, being the salt and the light, I guarantee you God is going to bless you. See, that's the way God works. He blesses people for doing what He's already told them to do. You know, most employers will just say, well, yeah, that's why I'm paying you. You should have done that. But God will bless you. God will reward you. That's just how good He is.